I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. This is our 2018 Playoff Preview Part 1, um, presented by Leaning. I am Matthew Wellington, your user host, and I'm joined tonight once again by Mike Miller. Hello. And we, we just can't wait for this, basically. This is what we wait all, all year for, what, seven, seven eight months for? Uh, get the regular season over with and we're on to the playoffs. Yep, absolutely. It is the best time for basketball, full stop, hands down. Better it's than like, anything it's else. Like, it's like Christmas and your birthday. and All rolled know, into one. Your wedding all rolled into one. <laughs> yeah. Birth of child, everything, all rolled into one. Yeah, not that we like to over the pudding or anything, but <laughs> it, it is absolutely the best time of the year. And um, what we're going to do, basically, this is uh, part one, as I just mentioned just then. Part two will be the Western Conference, so this show is obviously the Eastern Conference. And this is basically a supplemental podcast to an online guide that we've been working on. So hopefully by the time you listen to this podcast, we will have had all of the team previews back and it will all be uploaded to the website. There'll be a tab on doubleclutch.uk that says 2018 playoff preview. Click it and then you'll have previews for all of the teams and a little bit of words and some of the sort of players to watch and, and ones to look out for. It's been pretty cool getting getting that together. It's been a lot of hard work, hasn't it? But we, we will hopefully, touch wood, have it all up by the time you listen to this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has. But uh, shout out to our newest writer who has just been setting fire to his keyboard and smashing them out. It's just been, well, it's, just, it's, been, it's been amazing the amount of content he's put out, hasn't it? Yeah, um, well, Sam Chadwick, I guess, is his name. We might as well put the name drop out there, but he has done a hell of a lot of work since, since, um, since well, tweeting me, actually, a couple of weeks ago and, and saying I'd like to, to help out with you guys, which is which is awesome, obviously, a, a fan of the show, which is weird because you were a fan of the show a long time ago, and now you're here doing all this. Yeah, and now I'm not. Is that what you <laughs> I was a fan, <laughs> got involved, I was like, oh, God. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed the, the show. And good. then you realised it's, it's, it's actually some hard work sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, it's great, great job from Sam, just smashing it. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of a, a long running thing for us to do guides. Um, we've never really done a playoff guide before. We did debate doing a digital PDF print copy like we did with the season guide, but um, we we thought maybe we should just host it on on the website and see what see what it looks like. So um, hopefully that'll all be up and running, and you'll be able to enjoy that one along with um, these two shows. Anyway, on to the Eastern Conference. Um, First of all, just your general overall thoughts on the Eastern Conference this season. Have you been impressed um, by anyone? Has anyone let you down? Um, has anyone let me down? Cleveland have let me down. Milwaukee <laughs> have let me down. Um, Washington have let me down. Um, the East itself. See, everyone keeps um, talking about how the East isn't as bad as, as we think it is. I, I kind of think it is. Still, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. There are some great teams. There is going to be some great playoff matchups, but I, I looked at the the spread of of wins, like wins throughout the the two the two conferences, and I was just like, well, as much as I've sort of got on Denver the past couple of weeks for for just being mediocre, they're they're like a fifth seed in the East. And it, it yeah. frustrates me that teams like that don't don't get in when they have a tougher schedule over the year. But that's I'm not being negative. I'm not. Being, I promise. I'm not being negative. Um, <laughs> it impressed me. Toronto absolutely have impressed me this year, uh, and they better follow through. Is all I'm saying. And we'll get on to more of that in a minute. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Like I think many of us were expecting like the Celtics to obviously come in and and be 
probably better than than they they were. Obviously, that's a, a lot due to the fact that they've had several nasty injuries this season. But looking at the strength of the conferences overall, like I don't think we're I don't think we're anywhere close to parity. I think we're certainly going to get some really good young up in teams. You look at the 76ers, the way the Raptors are playing at the moment, the Heat, the Bucks. Like there's there's some teams in there that have certainly got the capacity in the future to be true legitimate contenders but there's been quite a lot of upheaval in the eastern conference this year obviously the cavaliers had all those deadline trades um the the bucks have fired jason kidd and they've not done too well since then the pistons decided that they were going to try and go for it all and that completely backfired the wizards have been well the wizards um the knicks have been the knicks like there's there's been <laughs> some bad yeah there's been some bad basketball and like the the, the thing you, you talked about about the the wins in the Western Conference is unbelievable. Like you look at the the tenth place Clippers, like they had forty two wins. That would be, well, that would be breaching the playoffs just in you know as an eighth seed in the in the Eastern Conference. So, I don't think we're we're anywhere near parity yet. But certainly there's there's a lot of young up and coming teams that we can um we can keep our eye on. Yep, uh, I need to add, of course, uh, deliberate omission by me. Another team that excited me, of course, is Philadelphia. We probably can't mention young teams, future teams, without mentioning mentioning the team that's processing at like ninety four percent. I like what you did there. That was classy. <laughs> right on to the matchups. The matchups were obviously decided last night after a series of games. Um, I didn't actually catch many of the games. The only one I, I really watched was the Minnesota Denver game, but we'll get onto that when we talk about the Western Conference. Um, did you watch any of the Eastern Conference games last night? I I didn't. I did not. I it, I same as you watched the Minnesota Denver game. Which it's was, kind of uh, the most important one to watch. I mean, like you didn't. I know Philly were going for a, another win, but that wasn't really important. Cleveland, New York is irrelevant at this stage of the season. Besides the fact that there's a little bit of angst between Enos Cantor and LeBron James still. Oh um, God, how is that even a story? Well, it's not because the Knicks blew out the Cavs, so you know <laughs> they <laughs> they turned the tails on them after the uh, the other game the other night, but. Yeah, like the 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 Bucks got blown off the court last night, which is not good for them. We'll talk about more about that in a minute. But Toronto also lost last night in overtime to Miami, so there was a few there was a few upsets. But the uh, the playoff seedings have finally been set, and what we're going to do we're going to go um, from the one seed to the four seed and go through their respective um, first round matchups, and then we're going to give some sort of hopefully there'll be a bit of uh, strengths and weaknesses of both teams. We'll try and get our opinions across on who we think is going to win the series. Um, and then maybe towards the end we should do who do we think is going to win the Eastern Conference what do you think sounds like a plan sounds like a plan right so the uh, number one seeded Toronto Raptors who won 59 games this season they will play the number eight seed Washington Wizards who won 43 games respectively this season Um, so the biggest question I have to ask straight away with this one is when are the uh, Wizards coming out and wearing Fumal Black in this year's playoffs in game five where if they don't (laughs) win it they will be going back home for the summer again. Wow. So I might have given a prediction away there. Yeah, just almost. almost. Um, well, I, I guess we should probably start with the fact that this is a is going to be a battle of two of the most dynamic and, and influential point guard and shooting guard tandems in the league, one of the best backcourts. Battle got, of the backcourts. It is. It is effectively a battle of the backcourts, but like, there's so many questions hanging over the the wizards heads like you've got like locker room descent the teams that they're saying that nobody gets on that john wall's come back and completely like turned out the locker room and you know tried to take over the team again and they were playing better without him like going into the playoffs for this team 
and, and for Scott Brooks as well. Like, how do you think they will adapt to playing the number one seeded Toronto Raptors, who have won a lot of games this season and they have beaten teams, you know, quite easily in quite a lot of those fifty nine wins? I, I think they're going to struggle. Uh, they they're five and ten over the last fifteen, so that's just not the kind of record and momentum you want to be going into the playoffs with. They've won one game in the last six. This is a team that is battling for its own identity. They don't, you know, the franchise player is the guy that seems to be causing an issue. I find it really interesting that we, you know, John Wall goes on a, a an, you know, he's a fantastic individual player and he'll go on an absolute tear for a period of time and everyone will talk about how great he is and we'll forget about when it's not going his way. He's a moody one, he is. It's like, <laughs> uh, like he. There's always whenever whenever there's a, a losing streak in Washington, there's always these creeping stories coming out. But this year it seems to have got a ton worse, and I think it's actually been, um, not exaggerated but uh, amplified by Beal's emergence as a guy who can carry a franchise. He's ha- finally got his health together. He's finally just becoming what everyone thought he was going to be two years ago, and. I just think that that Wall can't stand that the limelight's no longer purely focused on him. Um, but I, th- I I think that even if they weren't um, suffering from internal conflict, that the Raptors would still be too strong for them. The Raptors have just been fantastic this year, the way they've all overhauled the offense. Casey's got to be up there for Coach of the Year. Um, Tamar DeRozan should be up there in the MVP conversation, even though it is by far a distant runner-up to James Harden, who might as well just have been given it in in sort of February time. I, I just I can't see Washington come out coming out of this at all. No, I think I think they'll really struggle. And the, the regular season they tied two games apiece, but th- this locker room problem is something that I think is going to just like even when they they eventually fall out of the playoffs, it's going to be something that we will keep talking about well through until you know, the beginning of next season because it's quite clear that John Wall is he's, like he signed his contract, got the big deal, and it's almost like he doesn't really care anymore. I know they've had injury problems and there's been a there's been a lot of changes for the Wizards organization like the last two, three seasons. But they have perennially unachieved um in the last couple of years and it's just it's been a mess. Like you go back and look at the great moments they've had in, in the last five years and it would probably be like Paul Pierce hitting a clutch game winner in the playoffs like that's the only one you can really pull out off the top of your head like for all the amazing you know games individual games that John Wall has had it's meant nothing and this season with Wall out Bradley Beal's come in and had a significant impact I think he's proved that he is a clutch performer he can win them games when the game's tight which is what they've needed he's a better three-point shooter than than John Wall and playing next to the likes of, you know, Otto Porter Jr. And with Thomas Sataransky coming in and, and playing sort of a, a hybrid guard position, they have looked a lot better and a lot more stable on the court. But it, they're still going into this playoffs with, with a real lack of identity. Like, I guess the one big ounce of hope you have is if you look at their performance last season in the playoffs when John Wall came into the, those series and really pushed the pace. And when they do that, this Wizards team click because they they they're they're a good matchup against this Wizards side. Like they they've got you know a talented bench and they've got a good starting five, which means they can they can hang with the Raptors team. But this season, this Raptors team is different. Like we've gone on about it so often the last few weeks, but they play a strength in numbers game. They have a bench that is one of the best in the league, 
And then DeMar DeRozan has been at an MVP caliber level for throughout most of this season. He's pretty much unguardable in the mid-range and he gives them something that certainly Washington don't have at the moment. And you're basically relying on two players for the Wizards to just step up and, and win you games. Whereas I think the Raptors right now, due to the way they've worked their system this year and the way they've sort of trusted their bench, you've got guys coming off the bench providing impact. You know, Fred Van Vliet, I know he's he's likely to miss game one of the of the of the first round, but they have players capable of coming in and having a significant impact for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um you met you mentioned the Paul Pierce big shot. That was twenty fifteen against the Raptors? It was. So maybe 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 there's we can find something there to sort of pin our hopes on there being a more competitive rivalry, like a, a revenge series, an extra excuse for them to get their funeral blackout. Um, I, I'm really hoping that the, the, the internal conflict actually sort of gears them up, makes everything more intense and, and makes it a more competitive series. So you've yeah. got people who are just playing out their skins because they're, they're frustrated with the situation and wanting to, to sort of take over. That would be cool to see. Um, you mentioned sort of Van Vliet. He's been fantastic this year. Was he an undrafted rookie? Yeah, and it, it basically picked for his his basketball intelligence and not necessarily his physical abilities on the court. Exactly, and he's you know up there for six man of the year. Um, they they've got production out of uh, OG Ananobi, who you look at his box score, n- nothing amazing coming out, but there's a reason that they they're. they're you know they've got this rookie who's coming back off a an ACL tear um and he's started pretty much 90% of his his games this year there's there's a reason that they're looking to this guy going forwards um Siakam's improved no end there's they they've just got a plethora of weapons that they can throw at, at Washington and I, just, I I there's just too much for them you know the rotation may shorten fine but there's just too much talent in Toronto right now, the way this team plays. There's also, like, they match up well on paper in terms of being able to guard each other, but I think Jonas Valanciunas is, and we've we've said it before, like, he's been a difference maker this season, and I'd expect him to be a difference maker in the playoffs, but I guess if if they went small ball as well, they have, the the Raptors have been, you know, pretty good from downtown this season, one of the best offences in the league. I think they're top 10 in offence and in defence, which we just haven't seen in a while, and they're impressive, like so to to work to rework themselves the way they have done without necessarily up you know uprooting their roster. Like it's pretty much the same roster as it was last year, but they've just sorted it out. And you know, Sergio Barker's been there a whole season now. He's worked himself into the rotation, and then Norman Powell's got more minutes this year. Uh, Siakam, like you mentioned, Jacob Pertle's been playing really well. This Raptors team is is here for this moment. They're they're ready. They've been you know building up to this over the course of the last three or four seasons. Um, Toronto in the playoffs is an unbelievable venue. Um, the Air Canada Centre is probably the best venue in the playoffs, I would think. Um, and that will make a difference. Like they're they're the number one seed. They're going to have home court throughout their entire run, and we'll just have to see how far they go. I guess the biggest weakness for for them is probably their past. They struggled against Milwaukee last year, I seem to remember. Giannis came in and absolutely frightened the life out of them. Let's um, be more specific. Their, their biggest weakness is game ones at home. And if, yeah. <laughs> and if they get anywhere near the finals, they're going to have to go through at least four of them. 
But but we will overreact. We'll, everyone oh, will naturally will. overreact if we go and blow out the Wizards in game one. Everyone will be like, oh, this is it. The Raptors are here to stay. But uh, yeah, the, the, the trust level is not necessarily there. But I think there could be a bit of an over-reliance on how good their bench is. I mean, in the playoffs, are you going to play those guys like, you you know, Anobi and Siakam significant minutes in, in the playoffs when you want your best players on the court? Um, and like I said a minute ago, like if they just play small ball, then that's actually works better for the Wizards because I think they can they can play against that easier. The Wizards have obviously got Otto Porter Jr. He's likely to be out for the first game as well. So like, there's some significant injuries to key players on both sides, but it's going to be a good series, I think. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll take some predictions. I mean, who have you who have you got winning this series? Um, unsurprisingly, I have Toronto, and I have it in six games, which I think is. Yeah, four two. That that's all right for me. I'm comfortable with that. I won't be surprised if it goes less though. And I imagine you're taking the two Washington wins because Wall and Beal are just too talented not to to get a couple of games. Exactly. At some point, something's going to click in that series, and I just think I'd be tempted to say on paper their talent combined is greater than DeRozan and Lowry, and I think that's probably me doing an injustice to Lowry. Yeah, well, Lowry's traditionally been a guy who hasn't shown up in the playoffs, and that's been one of the biggest downfalls for the Raptors. Like, is is you know, and and they play a very, or at least they have in the past played a very one-dimensional game in the playoffs. Like, it's a lot of let's just try and score as as close to the basket as possible. And with the way the game's going as a whole now, you have to be able to stretch the floor. And we've seen them adapt to that this season. But it will be interesting to see whether or not they go back to their old tricks in the playoffs. Um. Yeah, as the pace slows, they can't revert to that. They can't revert to no. this iso ball. But iso ball is an interesting one in the playoffs because like, you never know if it's going to work or if it does work. It's usually because you've got a superstar on your team who's capable of, of making the most of those mismatches. Um, I'm going to go with the Raptors as well. I'm going to go 4-1. I think the Wizards will get one game. Um, I really can't see them getting much more against this Raptors team. I just think they've got far too much for them. I think the Wall and Beal problem is bigger than, you know, we've kind of made it out to be. Like, we don't have a lot of time to talk about the, the issues that have been there for the last few years. But I don't think Scott Brooks has got the most out of this team this season. This team has underachieved massively. Like I know they've been injured, but you still expect Bradley Beal and some of the guys on that roster to be able to carry this team and do better than they've done in a less than competitive Eastern Conference. And... Yeah, it's it's a bit weird. Like they are the the underachievers, and the, the, I think that tag will remain with them for a while. Yeah, no, I, I agreed, and they're going to have an interesting off season because they can't continue to 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 have this kind of internal locker room divide. Something needs to give because ultimately, as as I mentioned earlier, that it could be interesting to, to provide sort of a competitive spark, but. There's no way you can have long-term survival if if no, you know people aren't on the same page and something's got to got to give. Yeah, and if it consistently doesn't work, then the the problem's obvious. It's just about changing it. Um, but then again, I guess you can you can actually juxtapose that to the Raptors, like we were saying when they lost in the playoffs last year. It's the same old problems. They need to completely sort this team out, and they've just changed a couple of things about the way they run their offense and about how they spread their minutes amongst their players and. You know, it's it's done marvels yeah. for them. So, but I, I think that's a system thing. Whereas I think the Wizards' issue is personnel. Like we, like you couldn't find two teammates closer than Lowry and DeRozan. No. Whereas Beal and Wall clearly don't get on. 
and if and Gortat's probably first out the door. Let's be frank, and he doesn't get on with. Well, he's got a bit as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I don't think. Oh, you know, I'll I'll eat my words if it happens, but I can't see their transition being uh, from this this team as they are now being the same as Toronto have just undertaken in the last year. No, it's, it's a strange one as well because like they bring in Scott Brooks, who is known for like taking young teams and building them up, and there's not really that much youth on this team. Like, there's a couple of guys who've been in the year, they've been in the the league for over a decade, and then Wall and and you know Marquise Morris and stuff. They've been in the league six, seven years now, respectively. So they're not young guys anymore. Um, so maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe it's just the fact that they've been so unlucky with injuries. But who knows? Um, right. Moving on to the second-seeded uh, Boston Celtics, who won 55 games this season. They will play the seven-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Um, that flipped around over the last couple of days. I think the Bucks were sixth at one stage, and now they, due to the results last night, they've ended up seventh. Um, this is not a nice matchup for the Boston Celtics, who have not got Gordon Hayward, have obviously not got Kyrie Irving, they've not got Daniel Tice. Marcus Smart looks like he's probably not going to be about for some of the playoffs as well. They have been hit by the injury bug at the wrong time of the year. Absolutely, uh, which is why at the start of the season I tried to temper expectations when they went on that huge win streak. What was it, sixteen in the end? Or was yeah. it, it might have even got into the twenties. I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. It was that long ago, and it was that unimportant because here we are at the business end of the season, and they've not got you know through no fault of their own, they've not got into the position they wanted to be. Yes, they've they've got the seed, but the seed's not going to count for a lot if you haven't got the, the the ability to put players on the floor. Um, that said, if anyone's going to coach them through a series and get a win out of a team that shouldn't get a win, it's Brad Stevens. And you've got guys there who are stepping up in in the Jalen and Jason, um, who are just two guys who are just begging for this this opportunity. That's this going to be a hum- like a tremendous growth. For, for their individual talents and experience in the league. You've got a 19-year-old rookie who, at the start of the season, we were talking as, as coming off the Brent bench, how far down in the rotation is he going to be behind Hayward and things like that? And and he's started every single game. And I, I, just, I just think this is a fantastic opportunity for them. There is no expectations on them this year. We've no. said, we keep saying how far ahead they've always been. Like you know, they were ahead again this year. They next year they won't be. Next year is the year they need to do something. But the, for now, the pressure's off. Let Kyrie get some kind of cyborg magic on his knee and pick it up again next year. Yeah. So the regular season between these two was was tied at two games apiece. Um, but going into this, I think there's you'd expect due to the situation with the Celtics and all the injuries that there would be more questions hanging over their heads but I actually think it's the other way around I think there's a hell of a lot more questions hanging over the Milwaukee Bucks heads like they are a team that has no identity they look completely different every night of the week they have had a lot of injuries recently but even last night when they played the Sixers they had all of their guys back and they got blown out by the Sixers who fair enough are on a tear but you you still shouldn't be getting blown out by a team that you could potentially come up against in the you know the up-and-coming playoffs as it were but they've had poor defense all season which shocks me considering they have Giannis and a lot of other really lengthy athletic guys on that team um Jason Kidd was also a sort of defensive first coach and was often using a lot of sort of hybrid lineups to, to cause problems with teams and 
that they've sort of lost that recently. But in terms of like their strengths, obviously Giannis is is going to be the biggest strength they've got. I think he's top five in the league in points this season. He's had an unbelievable year. He even was in the running for sort of MVP honors early in the season, but that dropped off a cliff a bit. Um, and the fact that they've all got healthy at the right time is going to cause Boston problems because it means that they are facing a sort of fully armed and operational Bucks team, which last year in the playoffs caused uh, you know all kinds of trouble for for the Raptors, as I said earlier. Yeah, um, I, I, it's a really awkward one. This Bucks team, I honestly thought they were going to be significantly better than they were this year, and they started off well. Yeah, I wonder if the load was too much for Yanis because this was the year he I mean last year he he was sort of on people's radars as a as a, as an all-star but this year is the year where everyone thought he was going to make take that next step and this was going to become his league and whilst he's been a top five scorer and he was in the MVP talk early it's clear that he's not quite ready to rip that mantle from the really top echelon of like the top five players in the league which he probably isn't in yet the way the system is designed around him as well, and his uh, his lack of ability to shoot three, like his weaknesses like that, really sort of limit this team because he's he's pretty much unstoppable on his spinning, crazy moves to the hoop. But he it's very easy for a defense to clog that. I say it's very easy. He's he's pretty much unstoppable, but it's <laughs> it's it's easy for a defense to devise a scheme to to prevent that. And he needs other guys around him to step up more. Um, I still think Jabari Parker could be a massive bonus for this team. Coming back off the injury, people have people have said before he got injured how he doesn't fit with this this uh, this this team and that he should be traded. Uh, I I think he is a phenomenal talent. Coming back off two knee surgeries, he is still hardly lost any athleticism. Uh, I think he's a very 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 capable player. They've got a few sort of um, peripheral players that aren't quite giving the production that I want them to get to, to give. You know, guys. I'm thinking the guys like Thon Maker, John Henson, um, really sort of long guys who who should be a little more mobile. Well, I want them to be more mobile, but I also want them to be stronger so they don't get bullied in the paint. But they're just a team that I don't think has enough talent to go far anyway. And I've not even mentioned Bledsoe yet. Yeah, they're 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 a strange roster because obviously they they went out and and traded in the summer for Eric Bled, uh, traded sorry in the season for Eric Bledsoe and I guess he was supposed to come in and be the energizer bunny for this team and he's not really done that. I mean, he averages eighteen points a game, which is not quite what he he was getting when back in the days where he was you know tearing it up for the Clippers. But a lot of that's probably down to the situation he's he's been in in Phoenix the last few years and you know just been a sort of peripheral on the edge player there not really sure what their plans were as an organization um Malcolm Brogdon's been out for quite a lot of this season he's one of their better three point shooters they've certainly missed him and Jabari like you mentioned is like he could be a real game changer but his health is just a worrying factor because they've tried to trade into to the likes of Memphis before, but whether he could come in and have significant time, because when he does play, like, you know, he's played 31 games this season. He averages 12 points and sort of five rebounds a game. Like he's a, he's a productive player. Um, but how does he fit into this lineup in the postseason when teams have got seven games to sort of game plan for you? I don't know. I think that's why Giannis is going to become the, the X factor for them. I mean, obviously six foot 11 an absolute, beast on the boards 
it, it would just be curious to see how Boston hone in on him. And if anyone's going to be able to stop him, it's obviously going to be Brad Stevens because they have the Celtics certainly have the defensive players capable of doing it. Um, but I, I still think Boston, despite all their problems, they've got enough there. And they've also got a lot of young, hungry guys, like you were saying a minute ago, who are going to use this as an opportunity to come out and show everybody that they are they are ready. Like They don't necessarily need Kyrie Irving there to be as good as they, 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 they want to be, or you know Gordon Hayward to be in the lineup. Like Jalen Brown is, could have a really good second uh, stint in the playoffs this season. Jason Tatum's been absolutely phenomenal like unbelievable and then terry rosier the last last couple of weeks has really stepped up his game yeah no he he has he's there's a few guys there playing for contracts um i think that's going to be another opportunity that they might not have got if they'd have been at full health because just the extra minutes that are available to be eaten up um they they can i i think are we getting on to predictions now because i i still think boston are going to win this series because I would, I would, I would have probably taken Milwaukee if they didn't seem to be, like you say, struggling for, for just, just have a purpose and identity. But right now, even a, a limping, labouring Celtic side, I, I, I'm picking them. And um, both of us have, have once again managed to overlook the, the biggest or most overlooked player, uh, one of in the league, in Chris Middleton, who this could be a huge series for because he's going to be matching up. He averages 20 points a game. And one of one of Boston's, uh, Jason or, or Jalen, are, are going to be covering him every night because just physically they, they match up best with him. It'll be interesting to see how he does against this team. Um, I just think overall, though, there's too many limitations with this this Buck side and they, they don't have enough of a three-point threat. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on the same page. Um, I, w- I think it'll go to six games. I think the Celtics will, will win, obviously, the four, and then the, the Bucks will take two. Um, I think the talent of Giannis is unquestionable. I think he can win them two games by himself, depending on what mood he's in. But with Brad Stevens at the helm and this team's defensive first mentality, I just think they will, they will eventually figure out what to do against Giannis. And over the course of six games, they'll they'll slowly wear him down, just like the Raptors did last year. And it's it's yet another year too early for for the for the Greek freak. I think like as phenomenal as a player as he is, and to be where he is at his this stage in his career is is unbelievable. And the Bucks have got an incredibly bright future, but I just worry that they might be wasting him at the moment. Like they need to sort of almost overhaul the way the organization's working. They've got some good players around him, like you were saying, Chris Middleton as well, who we forgot to mention, um, shamefully. Um, <laughs> They need to they need to bring in a coach who's gonna make the most out of out of Giannis and they need to make some moves and get rid of some of the the sort of dead wood that they've got floating around on that team. Like, you know, what what is the purpose of, of Matthew Delavadova at the moment? I'm not entirely sure what he's done since the, the Bucks acquired him a few years ago. Thon Maker has been a guy that is I know he's he's still you know what I mean was he 20 like he's still so young so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot to progress with him but teams have slowly started to figure out how to guard him um when he has been playing limited minutes and yeah they're, they're just a bit of a mixed bag really um so I, I i think boston will win it um but i'm not I'm not entirely sure how far either of these teams could go if they both progress to the, if they were to progress to the uh the the semi-finals i i think that's their limit to be honest i think the second round is the best you can expect from both of these guys yeah. Uh, if anyone, if any of the two were to go further, it'd be Boston. Um, but even if they if they get through the second round, I'll be more than surprised. I've got it four two as well. Very boring because I've picked two four two series. 
Uh, I, I can't wait to see playoff Yanis, uh, as long as it's not the one who got thrown out of the game against the Bulls when Mike Dunleavy gave him a couple of <laughs> forearm shivers a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Right, on to the third-seeded uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who are the team that everybody can't stop talking about right now. Um, they won 52 games this year, which is, quite frankly, <laughs> amazing, and also more proof that tanking works, but it's still really bad. <laughs> yeah, don't don't tank. Don't tank unless you want to end up with fifty-two unless you wins. Want to end up with yeah, <laughs> two um, rookies of the year. And they play the six-seeded Miami Heat, who are probably going to be a lot of people's worst nightmares. They're a the team that you try and avoid, um, mainly due to the fact that Eric Spolster is a coaching genius and he has a history of winning in the playoffs. He has a history of winning in the finals. Um, and he, he's a coach that makes do with limited resources and being a former video of. Uh, video analysis guy he he just sort of this is his favorite time of year this is when you get to look at teams for seven games and work out where the mismatches are and how you can you know make use of the the, the, the spacing that you get the miami heat i mean what is their biggest weakness going into this series because like my first initial thoughts is probably the fact that it's hassan whiteside versus joel Embiid once again um <laughs> it's the social media feud the feud that has been running since well, all the way from through from July last year through to the games recently in Miami, like there's been, and they've been talking again on Twitter again this week, which is, you know, it's amusing to watch. But Hassan Whiteside came out and and called out Embiid and said you need to get off Twitter and start concentrating on your game. But for me, it's Hassan Whiteside who probably needs to concentrate on his game because, like Joe Hulbert says in his uh his preview that's going to be on our site, he's almost the weak link for them purely because he doesn't really fit the rest of this roster. I, I agree with that. Um, he seems to be the kind of guy who his talents are mercurial, but they've since he's got all the money uh, a couple of years ago. He has it's almost like the hunger's gone. That's always the worry. <laughs> with yeah, yeah, he's max max his two K rating. <laughs> exactly. He, he's he's achieved his goal in life of getting his two K rating up, and he's just sort of coasting. Well, he's not obviously coasting, but I think he's just reached his limit, and it's not quite good enough to be a franchise player to be a all nba player um and i think he is not um mentally aware of it that sounds wrong i don't mean like i mean his his mentality is i am the guy but he's not been able there's too many holes in his game for him to be the guy and i don't think he's willing to to accept a lesser role and i think that detracts from his ability to contribute to the team if that makes sense it's if it's it's too much about him and it's not about us and i think that's one of the reasons he's had issues this year that's one of the reasons why they've given a lot more minutes to uh bam adebayo and it's it's one of the reasons he was out the game he kicked off the other week didn't he because he, he wasn't played in the fourth quarter in a, in a loss yeah and, it's this kind of attitude and it might just be a situational thing it might just be you know going back to the John Wall thing it might be where these guys characteristics come out when they're not winning you know like DeMarcus Cousins as well when they're not winning he's he's not the kind of guy you want on a team apparently these are all the stories that come out um and maybe Hassan Whiteside should be sort of lumped in with those sort of guys where if you're winning everything's gravy but did I really say to say that um, but but if, if you if you're if you're not winning, then it's the he's not the kind of guy you want around. 
Yeah, he he's a sort of a throwback center, really. He doesn't like he, he does not stretch the floor for you at all. And in this system, which is effectively built around you know driving kicks all the time, it, it doesn't work when you've got Goran Dragic and and Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson all out there on the perimeter trying to you know get the wide open looks and Hassan Whiteside's in the paint just trying to clog it up and slow the game down. It it, it really doesn't help them. I guess the biggest strength they've got going into this series is the fact that. They have a pretty deep roster this season. I mean, you mentioned Bam Adebayo a minute ago, James Johnson, just as Winslow. Like They've got some brilliant defenders on this team. They're good at denying penetration. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA. They're just behind the Philadelphia 76ers as the third-ranked um, team in terms of rebounds this year, which is impressive considering it is mostly uh, Hassan Whiteside doing it himself. He's pretty much a walking double-double. But going up against this Philadelphia team on the tear that they're on at the moment, You've got such a juxtaposition in styles. You've got the fast defensive-minded team that you know is on fire from downtown at the moment, versus the sort of the traditional grit and grind style of the Miami Heat. And going into it, you, you you're looking at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid once he returns as being the difference makers in this series because they are two. And we've gone on and on about it the last three or four weeks. It seems to be. You know, two of the best young players in the league. I think Ben Simmons is in the top 25 to 30 players right now. They have, you know, they've tanked the right way, if there's such a phrase. Um, <laughs> but they, they've been they, they've been unbelievable the last the last couple of weeks on this win streak, and they're great at stopping uh, opposing t- opposing teams from shooting the three. But I guess the biggest worry I have for them was just be that they're probably a little bit overconfident at the moment. They're almost too cocky. And especially with this um, whole Rookie of the Year campaign that's been going on between um, Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, like it's almost like they're so, they could be. I fear they could be distracted by that. Um, I, I hope Ben Simmons is the bigger man and just ignores all that and gets on with the the real business in the playoffs. But I mean, how does he adapt to the defensive schemes that you see in the playoffs? Like I mentioned, Eric Spolster will undoubtedly spend a lot of time focusing on how to stop Ben Simmons because if there's one big weakness to his game, it's the fact that he you know he doesn't really have a jump shot so if you can stop him from driving and scoring and under the basket then you take away a large part of his game and what makes him so effective yeah it's going to be a, a very interesting series i actually think this is one going to be the one of the better ones to watch yes yeah, absolutely um you, you mentioned how quick the uh the 76ers are i think they're about fourth in pace uh compared to the heat who are 27th um, I think you're absolutely and they, right. And they turn the ball over a lot, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned the winning streak, sort of getting ahead of themselves. Absolutely. Everyone's like, oh, it's the best winning streak in franchise history. Um, <laughs> I've seen all these, f- fun, you know, and it is. Yep, I accept that. That is a fact. Let's just run through who they beat. So I'll just name the bad ones out of this 15. So I won't name the playoff <laughs> teams. So we'll go Knicks, Nets, Hornets, Grizzlies, Magic. We'll leave the Timberwolves out. We'll even leave the Nuggets out because they missed the playoffs by half a game, we'll call it. Knicks again, Hawks, Hornets again, Nets again, Pistons, Cavs. Well done, you beat the Cavs. You can have that. Mavericks, Hawks, and then beat the Bucks last night. So there was, what, three? I've given them four playoff teams out of the 15. Well done, you beat 11 teams deliberately trying not to win. Fair play, 15-game win streak, franchise, best, whatever. Don't get too excited. I'd be more impressed if that 15-game win streak was at the start of the season when teams were actually trying for something. Yeah. R- ran over. <laughs> ran, ran over. I think I think one of the things that they've got going for them, because this, this will be, like you, you said, this is going to be a tight series. Like There's just 
the seventy sixes are so young, uh, and a, a lot of them will be awed by the moment. Um, Miami have kind of been there before. They they seem to do this every couple of like the last few seasons. Certainly, they seem to have just snuck themselves into the playoffs and become like the 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 wasp that you just can't get rid of in the summer when you're sitting in the beer garden. Um, <laughs> but they've got home court advantage, and the arena at the moment has been certainly during this win streak has been unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I said earlier about what the best arenas in the NBA, you know, the Air Canada Center being one of them, but Phillies right now it's it, it's it's got to be right up there, and they're going to be raring to go for this playoff series because it's just been a heck of a long time and a heck of a lot of losing, and it's almost like you know this is the end of the process as we know it because it looks like going into next season no matter what happens in these playoffs they will be phenomenal but to win 52 games you know to only lose 11 games at home all season they've been a different animal in that arena and i think it's going to it's going to really help them I, I i have them winning the series in 6 games um i i think miami are too good not to take a couple from them um probably on the home court but yeah, I think Philly of of you know Ben Simmons, like we've said before, is transcendent. Embiid is unbelievable. I'm not entirely sure who's the best player um, right now. I think I'm going to edge with Simmons, but that's purely because I've seen him a lot more recently because Embiid's not been there. But I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the matter. It's a difficult one. Certainly, the higher upside is Simmons. Um, the last 15 games against the competition I've already mentioned, you'd say. Simmons's performance suggests he is uh, the better player just because he's managed to keep the team going in Embiid's absence. Ab- absence? Yeah. Absence. Um, but <laughs> Embiid, to me right now, is the better of the two. I don't think it will stay the same for long, though. I think very soon Simmons will overtake him. Um, and if they can keep that pairing together, then they are set for... A long, 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 long time. Um, I'm, I'm saying um a lot tonight. I apologise. <laughs> um, there we go again. I see this going to seven games, which is a bit out on a limb, actually, uh, for me. <laughs> That's brave of you. <laughs> yeah. Seven-game series, because I, I think Miami are underrated constantly. Yeah. No one expects them ever to even get to the playoffs. Uh, ever since LeBron's gone, they've just been an, an afterthought. But they've not done too badly, considering they're just scrapping a team together from leftovers and bits and bobs. I can see them being a matchup problem for this team. I'm intrigued to see how much of an impact the facial fracture has on Embiid's aggression and his willingness to get in and get involved in the physical interior game. They're 2-2 two and two, uh, when they've met this season so far. and that, that, to me, just suggests this could be a long series. And now I've said that, it'll be 4-1. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not sure how the mask is going to factor into Embiid much. I think the the overriding factor is that rivalry between him and him, him and Whiteside. I think that's going to just take over and he'll be like the the racehorse with the blinkers on. He's just going to be focused on on, you know, beating Whiteside across the, the 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 games of this series. I think they match up really well. I think Dwayne Wade coming back to Miami has given them something that they've certainly they certainly lacked at the start of the year. Be interested to see how he plays in the playoffs. Um, I, I read earlier that he was when he went back to Miami. He had the highest BMI or something of all of the players, which was weird. Like, what was he doing in Cleveland, just eating all the time? <laughs> <laughs> they drink a lot of wine in Cleveland, I'm told. 
they even had you um, couldn't tell that from the instagram posts from kevin love and lebron james and everybody i see now i probably would if i used instagram properly oh, oh okay but, uh, oh, sorry i forgot i was, <laughs> forgot I was a hipster <laughs> Uh, they had the, there was a great article. Oh, who was it by? One of the ESPN guys um, about the Cavs going on wine retreats in uh, a road trip through Northern California, and that was uh, really interesting. Give you some good insight into why perhaps he has a higher BMI than he used to. Yeah, in terms of watching the Sixers over the street, like, or in terms of this season as a whole, like, I know we're all. Like I'm, we're kind of blown away by how well they've been playing. But like to you, what has been their most impressive, like the most impressive thing you've seen about a team that is so young? Just the fact that their leader on court is a rookie. Yeah. The the the, the impact he's having at eighteen, eight, and eight is just unbelievable. It's really, really good. Uh, someone gave me a stat the other day, but it was one of those typical NBA stats where it's got about eight hundred conditions in it, um, which suggested that. Ben, that was it. Ben Simmons is the only player to average a triple double, or at the time he was averaging, in a in a x amount of game win streak or something like that. And it was just like, well, okay, that's reasonably impressive. Again, factoring in the opponents, um, but he's just taking this franchise on his shoulders. He he said in the summer, even when Fultz was thinking he was going to start a point guard, he was like, I, I'm the point guard. <laughs> and he's he's done I'm the captain now. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> Um he he's been absolutely phenomenal. I watched them a lot last year. They were one of my league pass teams. I liked Embiid, I liked TJ McConnell. Um Oh yeah. I just I like I liked his hustle and spirit. I still do. He's getting less minutes now as Fultz comes back. Fultz got a triple youngest guy to get a triple double last night. He did. I was going to mention that. Yeah. He he, Rounding into playoff form, some might say. <laughs> co-rookies of the year from the same team, some yeah, others might it's coming. say. It's coming. <laughs> but it's they've just they've just been there's a really good balance between young elite talent and savvy veterans who can sort set a, set a fine example in how to treat the game, how to approach it, how to stay in game shape. You know not lose focus they've got experience of guys who have been to finals they've got experience of guys who have just been perennial playoff on perennial playoff contenders yeah and it's just a nice balance and then you've got brett brown who's done what few others have done and, and overseen a complete rebuild essentially he took over when they were at their worst and now they're the third seed and usually a guy let's look at the knicks for example hornacek went today he took over the team that was already in the doldrums They've done nothing. They haven't helped him at all, and he's out again. Whereas Brown, they were deliberately not helping him. And there was talks last year about him being fired. Now they've actually given him what he needs to put, you know, they've put the talent on the floor, and this is the result they've got. Okay, so the last series of the Eastern Conference features the Cleveland Cavaliers, the team that obviously made the NBA Finals representing the East last season. They won 50 games this year, and they will play the Indiana Pacers, who won 48 games. They finished in the fifth seed. Um, Cleveland dropped down after uh, the Philly beat them the other night and then Philly won their remaining three games, I think it was, to, to finish above them and, and steal the third seed, which from Cleveland's perspective might be a blessing because it means they miss out on Miami, but it also means they play a team which they've lost to three times this season across a four-game series. Um, this is a, a really interesting one because you've got the 
the athletic unknown team that is the, the Indiana Pacers, who a lot of NBA fans, certainly in the UK, who aren't enthusiast fans, probably wouldn't have watched much of this season. Um, <laughs> I guess unless you are a Pacers fan, um, then you probably would have watched a lot of them this season. But they are they're an interesting team. Obviously, they acquired Victor Oladipo in the summer in the trade with the Thunder to send Paul George the other way. And I'm not entirely sure what we should expect from them going into this year's playoffs. I think that they will be, they will cause this Cleveland team problems because this Cleveland team, as we'll get onto in a minute, is terrible defensively. Um, but I think they're they're going in certainly struggling. Some of their players are struggling anyway. Miles Turner, who's been, is is effectively their second man. Like he's their second go-to guy on that team behind Victor Oladipo, and he's just not been playing very well recently. He had a terrible game against last night. He's had 10 or less points in the last five games. I'm hoping he gets out of that slump. But, uh, I mean, weakness-wise, like, do they have a third guy? Is it like is it Lance Stevenson? Um, I hope it isn't. Or is it, you know, DeMontis Sabonis? What are they going to do with the rotations in terms of playing Cleveland? Because Cleveland have been playing James and Green and Love and not really playing a traditional center. So they they they... they they will cause mismatches and yeah i i have no idea who's winning this series basically is what i'm saying even though lebron james is involved see now firstly i'm glad you brought up lance stevenson because <laughs> i'm all up for a playoff series with lance and lebron another meme yeah there's 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 going to be a meme coming out of it at some point um oh just i just got images now of the of the, uh, the blowing in the ear blowing in the ear yeah <laughs> So, Iconic. <laughs> I, I kind of get the feeling that the Pacers are a bit of a one-trick pony in in that it is all Oladipo. The second yeah. second highest scorer is Bogdanovich. He's a handy player, but he's not exactly uh, a head-turner. Uh, Miles Turner, I, th- I think actually Miles Turner can match up pretty well with Kevin Love. He's, a, he, he's not the most mobile. He's not immobile though um and he is in the on the fringe of the players you would call unicorns in terms of his ability to to shoot the three as spread the floor like that so that'll be an interesting matchup but this this team is going to go as far as Oladipo can carry them in, in my mind he's he's got to be the most improved player of the year that I, I I can't think of anyone else who's just had that kind of step up in their game yeah, and maybe it's, it's been pay- phenomenal yeah, absolutely has. It and he, this was a team this is a team that have massively overachieved preseason predictions. No one thought they were going to be going to be this good. Um they have seven players averaging double figures, maybe six players. So there's a, there's a good spread there, but apart from apart from Oladipo, no one's averaging over 15 points. I just don't yeah. I, I just don't think they have enough firepower. It's a LeBron series. In fact, I think this is probably one of the better teams to face off against LeBron. I wouldn't be surprised if if they looked at not that they, you know how uh, there's the the tactical tanking for for seedings. This is this is probably one of the better matchups for this side. <laughs> I wouldn't like, be surprised. Let's get yeah, let's go conspiracy theory for a minute because I love doing that on this show. Um, this is the team that they would have wanted to face. I think out if they could have picked anyone from the bunch. I just think it it gives them an easier route to the next round. And I do think that it will be the Cavs going through. Um, I like that despite all the the issues they've had this year, the total on-the-fly rebuild they had, they still won 50 games, which is not a, a 
you know it's, it's not something that you should be doing considering you're not you're not you know not as good as he used to be but 50 games when he rebuilt on the fly and your team was absolutely terrible going into to the the all-star break almost I, I, I don't think they've they've done badly at all and the minute LeBron goes dark or whatever it is he calls it on, on Zero all social media. There you go. I knew it was a film I hadn't watched. Um, <laughs> then, then all bets are well. I say all bets are off. They're not. All bets are on LeBron. He's going through this round. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why I said I wasn't too sure he was going to win the series. I think it probably will be the Cavs, but I'm, I'm not writing off the paces just from how unexpectedly well they've played this year and from the the sheer amount of problems that the the Cavaliers have. I mean. They made all the trades in the in, just before the All Star break, and their defense has got worse. It's the second worst defense in the NBA. They give up one hundred nine point five points a game. They don't defend the pick and roll very well. Their isolation defense is just horrific. And when they're going up against Oladipo, who's who's good at using isolation plays and using Miles Turner and Sabonis to to set screens for him. I think they could be in trouble. The biggest thing I think that we will see in this will just be LeBron James guarding Oladipo for every game in a series like, i think if they like you were saying if they do shut him down then that could be it and i, I wh- where where do we stand on lebron james like defensively can will he kick it up to another level in the playoffs yeah but i'm not sure he's the guy who's gonna go up against uh oladipo i think oladipo is it's a horrible name to keep saying by the way oladipo. <laughs> he's uh you're gonna put rodney hood on him I'd be tempted to. You want someone who's lighter and quicker than than LeBron. Don't I don't want to wear my 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 one hope of getting anywhere in this playoff out. Um, yeah, I guess yeah, my mindset I'm... is you cancel out your opposing team's best player with your best player, and when you know, like I said, they've only really got one true option. Um, especially how bad Miles Turner's playing. Like it, it just makes sense to to hone in on him, and maybe you do play, you know, Rodney Hood, six for eight, athletic guard can can certainly defend really well and then George Hill is is a pretty good um pick and roll defender as well so maybe you you'd use those two to to stop them but yeah it's 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 a strange it's a strange situation to be looking at because like Cleveland are so good on the offensive end that they can just beat any team on any night but they've lost three times already this season to this Pacers side and I know it's it's been you know drastically changed since they last played but I I still just have questions as to the sort of level of engagement this Cavs team have, but then again, they could probably just flick the switch on, and I'm just playing devil's advocate for no reason. I I don't know if they can flick the switch. It might be more like a dimmer. We just roll it up a bit. <laughs> roll it up. Yeah, this is going seven, and then they're going to sweep the next round. Yeah, no, I I have this I have this going five games. I I think it's just going to be four one. I just don't. I I could be completely wrong here, but I I just don't think the Pacers will be able to stand stand the Cavs in the playoffs, despite the fact that the Cavs are not who where where and who the Cavs should be, if that if that makes sense. I I was just as we were talking about matchups, I was looking at Oladipo, six four, two hundred and ten pounds, gives up four inches and forty pounds to LeBron, mm. which is scary. Rodney Hood, <laughs> also six for eight, so uh Rodney Hood has four inches on Oladipo. But gives up four pounds. <laughs> He's four pounds lighter than Oladipo. Pocket, so. pocket rocket. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, that's just uh, that tickled me. Thought I'd share. Yeah, it's 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 a weird one. I mean, 
so I did some research on this this Cavs defense and like just how bad it is historically in terms of the playoffs. And this will be the worst LeBron James led team in the playoffs. That's not even close. Um, which is quite weird when you go back and look at some of those Cavs teams he was originally on. Um, and it's the worst team we've seen in the postseason since the two thousand two to two thousand three Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so it's been a while since we've seen a team that sucks this much on the defensive end. But luckily for them, they've got LeBron James. And luckily for them, Miles Turner's not playing very well, which means he probably won't be taking advantage of the fact that the, the Cavs don't, uh, you know, they, they, they don't defend the paint very well. So they're going into it. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this conspiracy theory is true. Maybe they did drop down and go, right, we're going to play them because Miles Turner's playing like pants and that means he's not going to take advantage of our biggest <laughs> I've weakness. Just talked you into a, <laughs> I've just talked you into a Cavs uh, just absolute slaughter, haven't I? Um you have, but I'm still going 4-2. I'm still thinking the Pacers are going to take a couple of games in this one. Okay. See, uh, so you mentioned how bad their defense is. Um, and there's that old coaching phrase that most people who have been around basketball probably 10, 15 years ago would have heard, which is, and, and before that, because I've been around before that, um, which is offense wins games, defense wins championships. Now, They've got the worst defense in the league. They had the worst defense in the league last year. They won a lot of games. They didn't win the championships. I wouldn't be surprised if they win a lot of games this playoff and still don't win the championship again. They're going to win games. They're just not winning at all. I can still see them going through the finals. Yeah, no, I think I, you can't go against LeBron James, can we, really? Not the way he's looking, playing look, now. Look, looking who at who needs now, defense though. when you've got LeBron James? Trying to trying to put a convincing argument together, but it's it's just been blown apart by the fact that the Cavs have just got LeBron James and that they are so good on the offensive end. Yeah, <laughs> I mean their mid their mid range is probably going to dominate the paces, um, and then in terms of you know spreading the floor, then there's only one team that's going to be spreading the floor and hitting the three pointer at a high consistency, and that is going to be the Cavs. I don't think the paces have really got the the firepower to to keep up with them unless you've got you know Bogdanovich and Lance Stevenson all going throwback and just you know becoming ruthless which I don't think is going to happen but they've they've had an unbelievable season um this year and you know Nate McMillan's done done a heck of a job with that organization I guess the best thing about the Pacers at the moment is even if the games are close which I think some of them will be they know who they're going to this time whereas last year it was like give it to Paul George or give it to someone else and then Paul George would take it and miss it <laughs> <laughs> interestingly we've um so we've gone Cavs to win this series so they'll face our prediction of the raptors who um very quickly because i know we're running long now the raptors have been owned by lebron for a number of years including a couple of times this season they have so we can we could see them going through that round and then yes. they would face the winner of either Boston, who are just limping, or Philly. Philly. So probably Philly. <laughs> so Philly could make the conference finals, and then that could be a really interesting conference finals, actually. I, I If that's how it pans out, I will be very pleased. Cavs yeah. 76ers. Who knows? So much could change over the next couple of yeah, weeks. Like, watch this space. This is all just anticipation. Anyway, we're going to close part one of our uh, 2018 playoff preview, and we'll be back on the the next show with the uh, the Western Conference. So we hope you've enjoyed the Eastern Conference. Please, as always, check out the uh, the website doubleclutch.uk. The playoff guide will hopefully be on there by the time you finish listening to this. Twitter, as always, is at doubleclutch. Uh, UK and if you're watching the playoffs over the weekend please do remember to use hashtag NBN UK 
Anyway, if you're going to listen to part two, we'll catch you in a minute. If not, have a good week.